Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Odijedi. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we take a moment to acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to connect with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness in their individual journeys. Our hope is to encourage you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. A really sincere smile and a particular kind of positive energy. That was my first impression of my next guest, Pablo J. Rosario. Pablo is an active professional speaker and relationship coach, specializing in helping single men all over the world overcome their individual roadblocks and improve their interpersonal connections, not just with women, but throughout all the various facets of their lives. I especially appreciate our exchange for its candor as Pablo shared his origin story, so to speak, as like most of the amazing people we've had on this podcast, one can and should make the effort to look to his or her earliest and decisive moments in order to better understand particular patterns. I always enjoy linking up with the kind of individual who makes no apologies for putting his passion and mission at the forefront as he or she aims to serve a genuine sense of purpose. You can't give what you don't have, and Pablo shows us through his own experience how mindset, dedication, and a willingness to grow can bring some impactful rewards. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 103 with Pablo J. Rosario. Here we go. It is a pleasure. It is a genuine pleasure to uh, welcome you on the Awaken the Awesome podcast, Pablo. Thank you so much for reaching out. And I've been very, very, very enthused and thrilled, you know, leading up to this conversation. I was really looking forward to it. Um, definitely listened to some of your previous podcasts and different interviews and some of your, you know, little tidbits and 100 Days of Tips on YouTube. Guys, you should definitely check out Pablo's YouTube channel. It's an amazing little, you know, treasure trove of little fun daily tips. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a real gem. It's a real gem. So you definitely, there there's a lot of genuineness, uh, is that, if that even a word, uh, going in there. And there's also that wonderful will to serve. And that comes from a very genuine and generous place. So first of all, I want to thank you for your availability of your time. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Just looking forward to a terrific conversation. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely honored to have the opportunity. And like I was saying before, that I love... I like, I love the opportunity just to connect with someone who's on the same wavelength. That's about the same thing about, you know, becoming great, becoming awesome. And, you know, I'm, and I'm looking forward to learning something myself. So thank you for having me. Definitely, man. Definitely. And it's so funny because sometimes, as I like to tell most of my guests, I don't, pre-plan or do too much you know in terms of pre-production because again i like to have my conversations free-flowing it's as simple as you know hey if we run across each other at a starbucks or on the bus or anywhere it's like hey aren't you pablo and then we just strike up a conversation that's as natural as i put it and you know just looking at your background and all the wonderful things that you do you know neuralistic programming and you know helping guys you know in their romantic you know journey and just like man that's like he's got such a powerful resume and for some reason that just clicked for me, because I can only take my own experiences, not trying to influence anyone. It just clicked with a personal story. Um, we definitely hit up on Instagram, but I'm just going to share it for everyone. Uh, when I first got married, my first, my wife and I have been together about you know 15 plus years. Uh, I've been married for 10. And um, it really hit me at a certain point to realize that a lot of what we try to put forward in front of the significant other is kind of a facet. It's like we always try to put the best version of self or even a fake self. Mm -hmm. And in my own circumstance, it was a very big um, mistake on my part 
to be very much the yes man in terms of, yes, dear. Yes, dear. You want to go out? Yes, dear. You want to watch this movie? Yes, dear. You want this? You want that? You want this? You want that? And we try so much to accommodate. We try so much to please. And we try so much to, you know, not confront. And at a certain point over the course of maybe two or three years, you sort of become resentful. You sort of become um, very ticked off. And for some reason, you start blaming the other person. And why I'm telling that story, and also because a lot of content you share, especially with guys, because we're going to stick, you know, this one's for the guys. A lot of this is very comparable to what we do in business relationships, in, you know, interpersonal relationships. We don't want to offend. We don't want to confront. We don't want to, you know, cause friction. Uh-huh. And I'm guessing that's something that you deal with a lot in your practice. And if just using me as a guinea pig. Where did that come from, you think? Well, I can relate to that because that's also my story. No kidding. For me, I, I hate conflict. I hate awkward conversations. And so that would manifest itself in relationships where I was in a past relationship where my partner at the time would talk to me in a very disrespectful way, would call me names, would belittle my dreams and things like that. But because I didn't want to rock the boat, because, you know, I wanted to keep it happy, I let it slide. And just like you, I built resentment. Um, and more than anything, I was angry at myself. More angry at myself for letting it happen. And so when you ask, okay, where did it all start? It starts from childhood. Mm-hmm. It starts from childhood and the way that you relate to your parents. Okay. And when you are, when you are younger, the way, your relationship with your parents is often reflective of your relationships as an adult, whether it be professional or romantic. And so in this particular case, hearing that story and knowing my own story, the, the genesis of it all is, is one, not being able to feel like you can speak up, feeling powerless, like, like you're not able to speak up. That's number one. The other thing is also, Fearing, actually, you know what? Let's get down to the root of it. The root of it is the fear of loss of love. That's what it is. That if you speak up, if you say your piece, that the person will get angry and they will take away their love from you. And it's the same thing when we're younger, the same thing as when we are adults in our relationships, which is why you and I, we probably didn't say anything because we didn't want to rock the boat because we didn't want to cause friction and risk the possibility of losing our partner's love. And so it was a subconscious thing that was running the driving the bus, so to speak from behind the scenes. That is so true. And I have no problem admitting it because Mm -hmm. as much as I, uh, as I wanted to, you know, deny it, um, again, those words need to be spoken for you. Have, you need to take ownership of how you feel into a situation and that way you can actually start to put on the building blocks towards solving it. As far as I'm concerned, there was a lot of that going on in terms of like, I had to admit that I was resentful. I had to admit yeah. that I was angry. I had to admit that I was in a position of, you know, um, again, friction and mm-hmm. trying to, and again, this didn't come. And I had to, again, flip the switch on saying that, oh no, this is not my wife's fault. Right. Is it on me for not speaking up? Isn't it on me for not, you know, saying my piece? Isn't it on me to actually translate the situation better? Because mm-hmm. as you put it in your own uh, previous interview, that's a perfect title. Your partner is not a mind reader. So if you don't let them know, mm-hmm. it's kind of ass backwards to actually put, put the finger on them mm-hmm. because of uh, this uh, uh, discontent that you're having. 
Exactly. There's no way for them to know. A previous mentor of mine would say um, uncommunicated needs are premeditated resentments. One more time for the back. Right. <laughs> uncommunicated needs are premeditated resentments. I love that. I love it. And so when I heard that, it blew my mind because just the whole thing, your partner's not a mind reader. They're not, you know, everybody wants to feel like my partner should know what I want. They should know this. No, it doesn't work like that. Even, and, it, and actually, it doesn't even matter how long you've been together. It doesn't matter whether you've been together for 15 days or 15 years. You still have to communicate. You have to communicate what you want, how you want it, what's okay with you, and what's not okay with you. And then you can have a discussion around it. And here's, and here's, and here's for, you know, for all my nice guys out there, it's, it's by you communicating a need or a boundary, you don't have to do it in an ultimatum type of way, whereas take it or leave it. That's what causes a lot of people to, you know, you know, kind of mess up the relationship where they say, I like this, take it or leave it. Now, then again, there are some non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Like for me, for example, for me, in my relationship, um, do not curse at me. Do you can curse, express yourself, but don't curse at me. Uh, don't hit me. Uh, and don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. And those, you know, those are my non-negotiables. Everything else. Cool. You have a boundary, speak it, and then have a conversation about it. Explain why that's important to you and what do they think about it? So rather than going, take it or leave it, express it and go, what do you think about it? What are your thoughts about that? What are ways that we can work together to meet that need? And if you have a difficult time, if you have a difficult time meeting that need, then, okay, let, let's, let's explore that. Why is that difficult for you? And so one of the most important things, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to expressing your boundaries and making sure you're not resenting your partner is number one, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You're not a little kid anymore. The problem is that uh, unfortunately we are adults with the mind of eight year olds with so? the old programming of the past. For some odd reason, we 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 still think we're the same eight year old eight year old who can't speak up, who doesn't have a voice, that is dependent on other people for their love, their meals, their safety. We still subconsciously think that way. And like you mentioned, the moment you're honest with yourself, and then you realize like, hey, it's that's that's not the case anymore. You can voice what you want. And the mature thing, like I mentioned, is to have a discussion about it. That's the next level. That's the next level that I, that, that I don't think gets talked about often because everybody talks about expressing your needs and all that good stuff. But to have a discussion about it where you and your partner work on it together, not only do you create this, 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 this environment, this bubble of safety, mm-hmm. but now you have trust and you have a partner that's involved. You guys are on the same team instead of adversarial foes. A term I really enjoy in regards to interpersonal relationships, whether business or otherwise, as you said, sometimes you have to tell the hard truth. You have to tell the uncomfortable truth. Uh Um, But something my wife and I like to use is called rigorous but respectful honesty. Uh Rigorous yet respectful honesty. Uh It was a very long, ongoing process. It's still going through. It's like going to the gym. We have to make this happen every day because, you know, life happens. You know, we Uh build our own frustrations throughout the day. I don't know what she goes through. What I'm saying, you know, I'm not I'm not at the office with her and she's not at the office with me. And, you know, we deal with the kids differently and everything. Uh But we're a team. And in terms of rigorous but respectful honesty in regards to 
say I walk through the door. Today's the perfect example. I'm not, I'm not going to hide from it. I had a really, really rough day at work. I had a really rough day at work. And I called my wife. I had to stay, stay in a little bit later. And I called her up, like, listen, babe, um, could you pick up the kids? I'm going to stay in a little bit. I have a recording later with Pablo, but I'm probably going to come in. I will be on for supper and everything, but I'm, I'm impaired. It's like, you know what? Uh, it's just like, you know, she's like, I got you. Don't say anything. I love you. See you when uh-huh. you get home. I texted her. I got home. I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't blow a gasket. I didn't go for a beer. It's like, leave me alone. No, yeah. hug the kids, kiss them, hug my wife, kissed her. And, you know, we have that unspoken language. And, you know, once the kids were to bed, went inside the room, she's like, babe, what's up? And I was like, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened, you know, and this is how I'm feeling. This is what these feelings are doing to me. I am, I'm okay. I'm not going to go, you know, hit a wall or something. I'm just mm-hmm. with that. You need to, you know, bring the person inside your bubble, but provide that shelter to make them understand that it's not their fault and it's not aimed at them, but you mm-hmm. appreciate that support. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And you, you, you demonstrated a very powerful relationship technique. Uh, there's no official name to it, but it's a method that you mentioned. It's where you, it's where you understand that it's not your responsibility to fix your partner's problem. However, you can support them in fixing it. And the thing to keep in mind is that support comes in different ways. Mm-hmm. Now, in your case, your form of support was to give you a little bit of space. Exactly. While you, while you took care of everything. Now, in other cases, not, like I said, everybody's different. You have to find out with your partner. But another great tip from my mentor, um, he would say, Ears, mouth, hands, feet. Do you want me to support you by listening? Do you want me to support you by giving you advice or not saying anything at all? Do you want support by me just hugging you, just touching you? Do you want support by me walking away? And so what you guys did was fantastic. So in that moment, she, she, allowed you to take ownership and allowed you to fix it and allowed you to not only grow, but also, but also build up your emotional maturity. And at the same time, it was in a connective way because you got your need filled of space your way. Mm -hmm. So that was masterful. It took practice. It takes practice. And that comes from experience in terms of vulnerability, in terms mm. of, uh, again, learning how to communicate what you're dealing with because everybody's different. I had to learn her language the same way she had to learn mine. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, my wife, you know, I'm just, you know, it's, I'm not putting anything out there. It's just that sometimes, you know, being two Haitians of very, very prideful nature, sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to blow a gasket. Sometimes right, you, right. you just like shout and just like, you know, but you understand that. And when you t- learn not to take it personally, it's like, oh, okay, this is me dealing with something or this is you dealing with something. I am here for you. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. And let's talk about this. Let's blow it out. Let's go put the kiss to bed or let's go out. Let's go blow for a walk. Or do you yeah. want me to sit with you while you scream or anything? Or should I, like, you know, or even let's flip it. You know, I need to hit something right now. You know what? I need to go pound it at the gym. It's not, it's not anything at you. I know we're talking a lot about frustration and friction, but this plays a lot into a lot of variants of relationship that people might have. Again, with business, with coworkers, you know, yeah. in interpersonal relationships. That's how negotiations, you know, make or break negotiations when somebody takes things way too seriously. You know, you can have your cake and eat it too. It all depends on how you communicate that need. And that resonates in a lot of places. 
Oh yeah, yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the reason why I love it is because you're talking about the reality of relationships. I feel like a lot of information out there when it comes to relationships, whether business, personal, romantic, or with family, they deal with the world and they give advice as if we live in a perfect world where 90% of the time it's all lovey-dovey when that's not the truth. The truth is you're going to get frustrated. The truth is you're going to be angry. You're going to be sad. And, And especially with your partner. And the magical thing in all of that is to not take not to take things personally. Because here's a little, again, my so my background is psychology. I have a degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a funny thing. Oftentimes, if your partner is mad at you or they're angry for some reason, there's a good chance it's not about you. Even though you did something, it's not about you. It is something that you did that reminds them of something from the past that they haven't worked through yet. And so when they are angry or frustrated or worked up, like you just did, don't take it personally. Realize that this is not about me. They are experiencing something right now. And to make it about you, to take it personally, in a way, is kind of selfish. Instead of having the presence of mind to separate yourself and go, it's not about me. This person is going through something. They were just reminded and, and triggered and brought back to something. How can I, how can I support this person? Whether it's business, whether it's, it's relationships, understand if you understand the other person's perspective and not take things personally, then you're, 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 you're golden. You're golden. One of my favorite things to do is, and this is what I tell uh, people that I work with is take yourself out of the situation and watch it as if you were watching a TV show. Because when you're watching a TV show, you are invested in your present and you're feeling the emotions. However, you're not taking anything personally because you're not in the scene. Mm-hmm. And so with that, you could do the same thing in real life. Able to hear, be present, give advice and support, but you're out of it and you're not taking anything personally. And then Extract you're your ego from the equation. Yes, yes. You talk about about because again I'm just going to flip it back because everybody's as curious as I am. How did you get interested in this, man? Because there's so much of your content is just so about you know studying people, you know behavioral behavioral science. I'm sorry, you know going to the uh, Tony Robbins Academy, dude. Where did that start? Oh man, it actually started when I was 10 years old. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, there was an event when I was 10 years old that definitely set me on the life path that I am on now, and that was my first heartbreak. That early? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was 10 years old with a girlfriend. Um, but I, like, it still stuck with me. I haven't forgotten it. Probably never will. But I was on the playground having a great time, thinking everything's great, when the best friend of the girl I was dating at the time came up to me and said, Pablo, um, so-and-so is going to uh, go out with someone else for two weeks. And if she doesn't like him, she'll come back with you. Oh. And I like, like when I tell you, I felt like a consolation prize. Like I felt like second place, second place. And then from that, and I was hurt so bad that from that moment on, I said, never again, never again, I'm going to be second place to anyone else. And what that led me to was to, you know, do what a lot of us did go online. How do you talk to girls? How do you get a girl to like you? And, but the funny thing started to happen that the more I got into it, the more I found out that it's not tips, tricks, or any lines that make you attractive. It's the behaviors and the person you become 
that makes you attractive. And that's what led me down the, uh, the arena, the avenue of self-improvement. And in that, and down that road, I had a lot of people that I looked up to for different reasons. I mean, it was Tony Robbins, James Bond, um, you know, fictional and non-fictional. And so there were things about them and I wanted to become like them. And for me, I, I had interest in psychology and I always believed if you could figure out how the person thinks and how they behave and replicate that, mm-hmm. you can replicate their results. And so that's what I did. And so I started studying behavior and that way it got, and it got me to the point where a lot of my philosophy, when I teach it's, it's, it's you, you are the attractive product, not the line, not the things you say, not the things you do. You are. And the focus is improving you through your behavior and your characteristics, because those are within your control. Things like your height, Things like your background, things like where you come from, what you look like, those things are out of your control. But the things that are in control are your behaviors, your characteristics, and the way you think. Right. And that's where the power is. You transform that, you transform your life. I don't care what happens to you. I care how you're, what you're going to do about it. Yes. Yes. So we, at the very least, and as cliche as it sounds, I'd like to tell this to everybody, you can't give what you don't have. So you can only work on yourself. Uh Uh It's such a powerful thing. So from that heartbreak, we try to improve ourselves. So which begs the question, what exactly were you trying to improve, Pablo? Oh, wow. Fantastic question. So one thing, well, first it started off superficial, surface-like. I changed my appearance. I taught myself fashion. So I learned how to dress better. And I, instead of glasses, I turned to contacts. Uh, it even got to the point where I had colored contacts. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, no, I was really going, going for it. Um, but then, like I said, it started to get deeper. So one of the things I started to work on is the way I spoke. I understood that when I get nervous or when I get shy, I either talk really low or talk really fast. And so what I would do, I would watch James Bond movies because I love the way he spoke so eloquent, so debonair. And I would literally model the, his speech as I'm watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people would hate watching the movie with me because I would repeat the lines and practice it. And I would even go as far as to model their looks, the way they look at people to establish presence and power. So that's one of the things I wanted to change. The other thing also was my storytelling skills. I noticed that when I would tell stories, you know, it'd be hit or miss. And I'd be that guy that told the weird stories. And so that's one thing I approved upon. I started to watch comedy. I read about the science behind comedy, how to do a setup, how to do jokes in threes, and how to tell an entertaining, entertaining story. I would also study public speakers to see their gestures and the way they captivated an audience. So that way, when they spoke, everyone listened and everyone paid attention to you. And, and then the more I got into it, it's, like I said, it moved from external to internal. Mm-hmm. So because previously, a lot of things I was fixing were, were just a shell. They were inauthentic. And so they were, they, and they were covering up something I was trying to sweep under the rug since I was 10 years old, which was that feeling of unworthiness, that feeling of inadequacy. Right. 
And once I, and that's what I started to focus on. That's what I have been focusing on ever since. And like, when I, when I tell you that the, the payoffs are so much better, like it's unbelievable. It really is. From the perspective of trying to better ourselves. And I really love that you touched on that because often enough, we will change our, you know, our hair, our, our, you know, our physical appearance, change our clothing, change the way we speak, change the shoes we wear, uh, change the people we hang out with. But at the core, under the layers, you still have to go back to the source. Mm-hmm. And I would like you to speak on that because where does the path towards acceptance come from? Where does it start from? Because you can't build from anything if you haven't fixed what's underneath. Mm-hmm. You know, you could put basically a Lamborghini shell over a Datsun. It's still going to be a Datsun underneath. <laughs> you still need to fix it. And that's right. what I heard from you. You still need, you still realize that you still had to do the work. Yes. Yes. And so right off the bat is know that this is not a quick fix. This type of work is not a quick fix. It's a lifelong practice. Similar to yoga, similar to uh, working out. It's a lifelong practice where the goal of it is not to be fixed. All right. So this is a, this is a very big one. Okay. The goal of doing inner work is not to never feel inadequate. Never, it's not to never feel less than to, to make those bad feelings go away because here's the fun fact, spoiler alert, they'll never go away. Mm-hmm. They are part of who you are. So with that said, the, 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 the game, the name of the game is not self-improvement or rather self-acceptance. And right. how much and how well and how deeply can you accept all parts of yourself without judgment? And so the, the, the starting point to that, and I love how you use a Lamborghini uh, Datsun analogy because that's something I use frequently. And it's that, one, it's accept all parts of you, okay? All parts of you. Just like a Lamborghini, it looks sexy, but it guzzles gas. And the Prius, it's ugly, <laughs> but hey, is is the thing will save you, it'll save your pockets. And so, but when you buy the cars, you buy accepting all aspects of it. And so that's the first thing you have to do with yourself is to accept all aspects of it. The second thing you have to realize is that all the negative things that you think about yourself, those are not you. Mm-hmm. Those are voices and opinions that were implanted into your brain when you were younger. That is somebody else's perception, someone else's opinion. And then you end up internalizing. And then it's over the years, it's gotten confused as your own voice. And once you understand that those voices, those negative comments are not your own, you can start to break free from them. And you can start to actually choose how you want to do it, how you want to think and form your own opinions about yourself. I mean, a prime example is a prime example is, you know, for me, for example, the fact that I, you know, I, when I get excited, I talk really fast. I talk really fast and it's hard to get my words out. And also, so my family's from the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. you'll hear my Spanish accent come out. Now, you know, there's some people that can probably think like, oh, I wish I didn't have my accent. Why? Who told you that was a bad thing? Someone else along the line, somewhere you learned that being short, having a gap tooth, um, whatever it is you say about that, 
about yourself, somewhere along the line, you learned that that was not good. And once you realize that that's actually that person's problem, that person's projections, you're free. Right. And you can start accepting yourself more, more, and love yourself. And the minute you do that, you give other people unconsciously permission to do the same. And that's one of the most beautiful gifts I believe you can give the world. Is that... Do we also, does that also fall under the line of fear of greatness in terms of sometimes that when we come, when we look around the corner and see this beautiful self that is us, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not that worthy. I'm not that extraordinary. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, growing, I was very insecure growing up mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't understand this. What I tell them, I naturally, I know the little boy under the shell is very, very shy. I was like, yeah, but you have a podcast. Yeah, this is me working on myself because mm-hmm. this forces me to keep, you know, not saying that he's not shy. He's like, okay, I may be shy, but I have the willpower and I have the dedication. I have the consistency to, you know, put myself out there. And there's no problem with that, but I know that I'm a very shy person, but also I'm very exuberant. But under that, there's also all this exuberance and just walking into the party. It's like, hey, everybody, let's everybody hug, group hug. That comes from the fact that I know I'm, in, I'm a little bit shy. Otherwise, I'd be in the corner of the room and not talk to anybody. I know what that's like because I've been there. I've done that, you know. Mm-hmm. You say, I'm going to talk to that girl. I'm going to talk to that girl. She's been sitting there for like, you know, 30 minutes and she's cute. And there's absolutely no reason why I couldn't just say hi. I don't want her to marry me. I just want to say hi. And you just sit there with sweaty hands. Mm -hmm. I know that because I've been there. And you need to be able to break free from that internal dialogue. Because, you know, it's stupid, very stupid, little childish, you know, comparisons. But if you extrapolate that into adulthood, how many times have you not asked for the promotion, not asked mm-hmm. for the raise, not said that, you know what, I deserve better, you know? And yeah. that is something that is very powerful. It's all about the story we tell ourselves because those stories ring true and we need to change our script. And that I really want to thank you for, for putting it out there because it's something that people need to hear. Oh, 100%. And I'm so glad you brought that up because essentially what you were talking about, essentially with being shy or I'm like this way, or even being afraid of greatness because they they think like, oh, that's not really me. Well, this is what I say to people. Identity is something fluid. You're never a fixed thing. You're not just shy all the time. That's not your identity. Like, for example, one of my favorite examples is, uh, you know, when you go to the bathroom and you poop, you don't go around saying, I'm a pooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't identify as that. It's just something you happen to do sometimes. And so why the same thing with being shy? Well, why not um, the same thing with being great? You know, so you, and so instead of being something, you have moments of something. Right. Behaviors of something. And here's the beautiful part. You can choose whatever story you want. Because, and here's a, here's a funny part. Man, I, this is where it gets really fun for me. Yeah. So this is where it gets fun, right? So whenever we are picking these identity for ourselves, okay, like I said, we have choice. And in that choice, what we end up doing, we end up choosing specific details that prove that identity. And in doing that, we, we subconsciously or unconsciously neglect or dismiss anything that proves the contrary. And so if you're looking like at a pool of evidence, you're only looking at the first two pieces to say I'm this mm-hmm. when evidence pieces three through six suggest otherwise. And so in those moments, what I always invite people to do is to first off, 
honor it. I mean, who am I to say that what you believe is wrong? I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I, I validated what you believe is right. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is, could something else also be true? Could, okay. and then if something else could be true, okay, then which one are you, which one would you like to choose? Which one best serves you? Which one most empowers you in the moment to get you to do what it is that you want to do? Whatever you believe, whatever your mind believes, you're right. You will gravitate towards it. Whatever you believe, the universe will, for some reason, just wondrously make a bunch of validations appear before you, good or bad, mm-hmm. good or bad. If you think that you are the sexiest being alive, trust me, you're going to have a lot of validation and you're going to keep trying to, if you keep that internal dialogue going long enough, you're mm-hmm. going to be, your vision of the world will gravitate towards that. Just mm-hmm. like me, you know, just again, taking examples just from myself. Growing up in high school, I used to constantly tell myself, I'm no good at math. I'm no good at math. I'm no good mm-hmm. at math. I'm not, there's no reason for me to even study for math exams. I'm going to suck at math. Mm-hmm. Every single math exam, every trimester, I sunk at math. But when you look back at it, I think math is one of the most purest forms of, you know, the purest sciences ever. I love math. I really mm-hmm. do. Like in that, my adult life, I'm like, oh my God, math is everywhere. But I just go back into that dialogue. I'm like, why? What was wrong with me when I was going when I was a kid? Insecurity, fear of fear of success, you know, doing the effort, laziness. Call it the naivete of being an adolescent. There's so much of that going on, and that baggage that we bring along our journey into our adulthood. This is a lot of what is permeating a lot of, you know, doubt and fear and uncertainty in a lot of people's existence. And that's something that troubles me sometimes because people need to understand that if you just take a second, take a step back, I'm not sure if you agree, we just breathe and we look at the tapestry of options that we have because we do. And what you just said is very powerful. I understand and I validate that you believe this, but let's consider for a second that this is also possible. What do you Mm -hmm. think? That's what I'm hearing from you. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. And then at that point, that person makes a decision. Because it's, you know, if I tell you what to think and, and what's a more empowering alternative, it won't hit as strongly as you figuring out and you choosing it for yourself. And so anything like as a person, all we can do for another person is be the one that presents an alternative option. And here what happens in the mind. The minute you present an alternative option, the, 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 the previous one, the former one, immediately loses its grasp. The second something else is possibly true, the former thing is not as strong anymore. And that's all we can do. And that's all, that's all we can do as a person, as a coach, as a friend, as a partner, as a business partner. That's, that's something I wanted to touch on because a lot of people that listen to this program are all going through the motions. We all want to try to do better every day and try to just build each other one decision at a time. And sometimes, and I know this is very real for a lot of people, and I have no problem saying it and just putting the rigorous truth out there. A lot of people just want something to complain about, Pablo. Mm-hmm. You know what's wrong. You say it bothers you. You know that you don't like being in this current situation, whatever it may be. But I know for a fact, just from the way you're seeing you're because the second that I unvalidate, if you will, what you're saying about yourself, it's just going to throw you for a loop because like, wait, wait, wait a second. You just took away my reason to complain. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with those people, Pablo? Like, what can I tell them to just like build themselves up? Because again, it has to come from them. But sometimes you try not to get invested too much. But if, if this people that you care about, whether your friends or loved ones or anything, like, listen, 
just choose, just move, just make one step, just stop complaining, change your dialogue, change, shift your direction. But some people just need something to complain about because it makes them feel good. And that complaining serves a purpose for them. That's what it is. Like in, in my mind, this is one of like the gifts and the curses. It's very hard for me to get angry at people because mm-hmm. I understand what's going on and okay. I can empathize. And with those kind of people that just love to complain, while it is annoying, I understand that that complaining is doing something for them. It's serving a purpose. It's fulfilling a need. And so then in that case, what I would do is have a conversation and see what are they, get, what are they getting from complaining? Are they getting attention? Is it that they're, you know, you know, are they getting pity? Are they getting, you know, some type of love that they're not getting? Because the thing that you have to understand, well, why, why I ended up understanding that complaining is a strategy, a strategy that they learned when they were younger, a strategy to fulfill a need. And as a child, that's all they knew. That's the only strategy that they knew that worked at the time. So they've kept with it into their adulthood, which is why you see people, grown people, act like eight-year-olds. All right. Well, someone throws a temper. I'm laughing because I got so many examples in my head. I'm sorry. (laughs) So you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Just the idea of a grown adult having temper tantrums is it's it's ridiculous. Like an eight year old. And like I said, the reason because they're using the same strategies to fulfill that need when they were little. It worked then, and they never learned a new one. And so with me, rather than getting angry, I'm empathetic to that because at the time, as an eight year old. That's all you knew. You didn't know better. And so now as an adult, was an adult, suggest different ways to get that same need validated. So what I, mm, I say this loosely, but what I don't condone is the strategy. What I validate is the need and the wanting to get that need filled. So that's where the balance is. So if you want to express yourself, go ahead and express yourself. And as far as the strategy you take, Let's talk about that. Is there a better way to do it? Is there a way that is there? Does that strategy put you in a passive, um, reactive position and makes your life more terrible? Or can we find another one that empowers you, that solves your problem, that gets that need filled? Wow. So that's the way my mind works on that. Wow. Um, I don't know why you while you were saying that in terms of okay, let's take actionable steps and I'm keep going back to your 100 days of tips. First of all, compliments on that one. Guys, again, on the YouTube channel, you need to check out Pablo's channel. I'll definitely link it up on the blog post. But that consistent, you know, daily nuggets of wisdom is something that's truly amazing. So I just want to piggyback on that. Yes, I'm cheating. Um, And towards, you know, just helping everybody here, you know, trying to say, hey, Pablo, I get what you're saying. I know I need to work on myself. I know it's going to be a long time. It's going to take some time. I need to be patient. I need to accept myself. Can you give me, give us one tip, Pablo? Can we, can, can you give us one actionable step we can do, you know, in terms of a mantra or, you know, meditation, yoga, whatsoever, read a quote. Can I, can you give me one thing that, you know, people can actually do tomorrow, actually do something they can actually like, you know, get them towards that. uh, Trying to change our dialogue because we yeah. want to make we want to help them out, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, that is my mission in life, just to be of service and really just help people. You know the way the way I've been helped, ways that I wish I was helped. So I totally get it. And you know everything I've talked about, 
you know, like I, I get the question, you know, like what is one thing, like what's something I can do tomorrow to actually get me in the, in the, um, in the, in the right direction. Right. And simple, man, there's so many, but the simplest way, the simplest thing I could say is uh, meditation. Med- I highly recommend everyone download the free app. It's called Headspace. It's a guided meditation app. Okay. The reason why I say that is because, and, and trust me, it walks you through it. You don't need any experience. Super easy. So the reason why I recommend that is because meditation is a great vehicle that allows you to separate you from your thoughts. And the problem is we, we're too intertwined with our thoughts. We can't see the difference. We're like a fish that doesn't know it's in a fishbowl. That doesn't know it's wet. Right. And, and because of that, we're constantly reactive. We're reactive and we think that's just the way I am. That's just the way the world is. And that puts us in a fixed mindset, a limited mindset. But what the, the what meditation does, it allows you to separate your thought from who you are and allows you to and allows you to operate from a place of choice. And it allows you to not just act on every thought to look go, okay, cool. I see that thought. I know what it's I know why it's happening. And so now it's not the thought or your feelings or your past that's pulling the strings. It's you. And so meditation is a great way to start developing that. And, you know, like, I, and I want to give like a, like one of those hot type of tips, but if I can encompass everything, one of the best things people could do is just that self-reflectiveness. Okay. That, yeah. That self-reflectiveness just to explore without judgment. Cause it explore. all starts from within explore without judgment. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about it a lot at some point, but it keeps going back to that. At the source, you need to fix what's underneath. Not fix. We need to work on. We need to improve. And there's not there's no shame in that. And because a lot of people think, oh, I need to change myself. But yeah, there are better versions of yourself. You are not who you are at 10, 20, 30, 40. You don't know what you're going to be like at 50, 60, or even pushing 70. You are in evolution and you need to work on that. And yeah. And I keep telling my wife that I run obstacle races and I know that I couldn't, there's a certain amount of physical exertion I could put my body through a couple of years ago that I can't do now. And I need to work on that as well. Every time I go to the gym now, I have, I'm going for intentional workouts. When I come back from the gym, my wife asks me, how was it? Okay. Today we work on, we worked our back. Okay. Today we need to work on our core. Tomorrow just going to work on cardio. Cause Hey, I need to be around to run around, run around with these kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my demands are not the same. So your body, your mind, yourself is also something you need to work on. Yes. And I, that's what I'm hearing from you in terms of we are in constant evolution. Wow. We're not who we used to be. And it's okay to accept different facets of ourselves, good or bad. Yes. Yes. And once you do that, I mean, because the end goal is, is, is self like I keep saying the word, but it's inner peace. It's really inner, inner peace when it comes to relationships, especially in dating. Um, you know, when, because when you do that, you develop this rock solid presence about you mm-hmm. where no one can't tell you anything you don't know, you don't already know about yourself. And once you, you, you establish that presence, people follow suit. People follow suit and then pick up on that. 
And then every everything you say, everything you do, the way you operate, the way you relate to people is no longer from a place of ego. You're not reacting. You're not comparing. You're not being angry. You're operating from the way that you want to and the way that you want to experience life. And to be in that place of choice is marvelous. That's that's the place we want to move. You want We want to move from a place of emotion and ego to a place of choice. Authenticity is infectious. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. People can sense it a mile away. People when really can. You know, when you know who you are, and that is going to take some work, and the sooner you can find out, the better. Um, wonderful things will happen because game recognize game. Because oh. pe- there's so much comparison going on, as you put it, especially mm-hmm. in this age of Instagram and all the likes and tweets and followers. I don't need to sound old grandfather-ish, but there's a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. Once you take the time, to have that conversation and something I've had uh, something I've mentioned with previous guests. I would love to know what you think about that. Sometimes um, you peel away the layers, as I like to say, and maybe sometimes you don't want to find out what's underneath because it might scare you or it might disappoint you or it might frighten you. And I was wondering like, you know, if you could, you know, touch on that in terms of like, maybe we don't want to do the work because we're afraid of what's underneath. We're afraid of the work we might have to do, or maybe we're afraid that we're not as, you know, let's use the word awesome as we thought we were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I can relate to that because that was me. Uh, I avoided <laughs> that kind of work for a very long time. Um, I avoided, you know, just diving into those emotions to, to feel the ups and downs because I, I didn't want to feel. That's what it boils down to. Like you don't want to feel, and so the question is then. The question is then is why? That's what. That's my next question. I would. I would say like, why don't you want to see? What are you afraid of finding? And what would happen if you found it? And through that line of questioning, as I'm saying it, I'm hearing the answers in my head. That someone would. I imagine someone would say, "I don't want to see because I'll be disappointed. I'll find out. I'll find out I'm not who I think I am. That I'm not enough." Right. And that's where people normally stop. But there is a level deeper because then I would ask, well, where when was the first time you learned that, that you weren't enough? That you're not who you think you are. Like, what was the first time you experienced that in your life? OK. Boom. And then when they tell me that, they tell me that moment. Now the real work stuff, that's when the fun starts, because 10 times out of 10, sometime in their younger years, Something happened where they made the belief about themselves that I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not who I think I am. And here, we, and, and here is where the breakthrough happens. Is The work is in revisiting, looking at that moment and not looking at it from the eyes of the eight-year-old while honoring it because we never want to dismiss those feelings. Mm-hmm. All right. It's just it's like it's like, you know, when you try to shove things under the rug, it'll, they'll come out. As my girlfriend says, if it doesn't come out on the rinse, it'll come out on the wash. Mm-hmm. And so you want to honor it, but you want to move. You want to you want to look at it, not from that perspective, because it was a limited perspective at the time. Right. We saw that situation only at one point of view, one perspective. And we took that as fact. And we rolled that fact straight into our adulthood. And so the work is seeing it from a different perspective, the same one from a different perspective, and then realizing, wait, it's not that I'm not worthy. It's not that I'm not enough. It's that 
this person was maybe having a bad day. Or another possibility is my, my, my thinking was limited at that time. So I could only see it through one way. I didn't have the mental capability to perceive any other way or any other uh, you know, endless amounts of possibility. And so that's how you make peace with it, by accepting that it happened. That day we can't deny. Not taking that away from anyone, you know, especially with people that have gone through super traumatic things. I'm not dismissing that. It happened, and I feel, hor- I feel bad that it did happen. Now, the thing is, the question is, what are you going to do about it? The question is, the question is, take a look at the perspective that you have. You don't have to dismiss the feelings. You don't have to dismiss what happened. But I invite you to reconsider how you look at it. Because how you look at it is setting the foundation of how you're living now. And how you look at it is a choice. And you always people, have a choice. Exactly. And if people don't, which brings us back to the complainers, and yeah, which brings us back to the complainers, and if if people are having a hard time letting go of that perspective, it's because it's feeling a need. Is because it's doing something for them. And I feel like I just went on a rant and I hope I answered the question. No, not at all. I'm intently listening. The thing is, the thing thing is, I just really enjoy the fact that it's as simple, but as dedicated as you have to be to be willing to look inward as scared or frightening or, you know, just again cliche as it sounds it really starts from within not to quote yeah. Tony Robbins book but you need to awaken the giant within oh did I use the word awaken oh wow shameless plug um, you it's it's so true everything that we've talked about and it's definitely a part of your mission is something that you know I really enjoy and all the message that you keep promoting forward it has to start with you as scary or as much as arduous as it sounds the work starts from within because people resonate with you know authenticity People generate with sincerity and no one will put you down for realizing that truthfully and heartily, you're trying to do the best that you can for yourself and in a place from service and good and just trying to do better for yourself and for the woes that you care. Uh That is the most noble thing you can do. It really is. It really is. And as you were speaking, the, the, the phrase came to me that encapsulates like this whole thing and that people should use as a North star as they do this work. Cause I know we were talking about this work and how, you know, it's arduous, it takes some time and things like that. And that could seem discouraging, but use this as your North star. Okay. The success is in never, the success is not in never falling. The success is how quickly you get back up. Right. Essentially, essentially, can you shorten the moments, the periods when you fall down? Because you're going to fall down. That's a given. Don't expect a perfect life where you're never going to feel down. All right. So, for, you know, if anybody beats themselves up and which happens a lot, there are people that go, oh, my God, I've gone to this conference and I still feel like crap. Man, what's going on? No. The success is not in never falling. It's in how quickly you can get back up. And how much you shorten the time when you are down. So maybe six months ago, it took you two weeks to get you out of your funk. Now, maybe it takes you two days. Maybe three months from now, 
instead of two days, it takes you two hours. And maybe a year from now, instead of two hours, it takes you two minutes. And that's how you track your growth and your progress. Because eventually, and it's something that someone gave me, which I posted on Instagram, and I'm going to be sharing here. Your workout, soon enough, will be your warm-up. Yes. Yes. Man, such terrific energy on this exchange. Pablo, I can't thank you enough for this terrific gem of a conversation. It's, uh, it's been a thrill. There's so much we could just keep touching on. It's, it's amazing. I really want to thank you for this genuine energy, man. It came out of nowhere, but the universe aligned to make it happen. And I'm so grateful. The greatest gift we can give to anyone we care about, near or far, is our time. Time is precious. We can't get it back. But I want to thank you for sharing this time. Because it, for me, it was truly genuine. So I really want to thank you for that. Oh, it was really, really my pleasure. Uh, you know, I'm honored and humbled, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on and have this conversation and to take part and be part of this exchange. So thank you. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Paulo, as I like to say, uh, where can everybody connect with you on the interwebs for coaching so, or, you know, different programs? Because I know you got so much stuff going on, so I really want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the great place you can find me is on Instagram. And which is at Pablo.j.rosario. And if anyone just needs support, wants to work with me, feels that you know I can help them in any sort of way, feel free to email me personally. Let me know you're listening to the show. And my email it's Pablo at PabloJRosario.com. And we'll go ahead and see how I can help you. Not a problem. Not a problem. Pablo, it's been a thrill. As I like to go, first of all, I like I wanna wanna let you know. It's always an open invitation on this podcast, anytime, because there's so much we could touch on. And I don't believe we're going to be strangers for a long time. So we're probably going to keep in touch. But just letting you know, open invitation, anytime you want to be back, feel free to hit me up. We'll make it happen. If you're down, I'm down. Appreciate it. Down. Yes. Closing tradition, as we always like to say, again, we probably touched on it a little bit in the recording, but as I like to say, just leaving off everybody with some warm energy, some powerful stuff, you know, some, you know, call to action, as I like to say, a kind quote, a song, a sonnet, a quote, a call to action, just anything. They can just wake up tomorrow, you know, putting them toward that next step towards their own next level. What can we leave them with? Uh, we, can leave, we can leave them with the same thing I tell myself every morning. Be sexy, be kind be you simple as that simple as that as powerful as it is truly resonating guys this has been another episode of the awaken the awesome podcast with my friend pablo j rosario awesome individual terrific energy leadership coach speaker and definitely you want to hit him up guys if you're looking in any way trying to 10x your dating life definitely hit up pablo definitely 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 hit him up personally on instagram very fast on that or on his personal website pablojerosario.com guys it's always a thrill for you to actually share this moment with you on this wonderful adventure of the awaken the awesome podcast don't hesitate to if you found some value in these recordings share like you know give us some ratings we always want to keep knowing how we're doing awaken the awesome at gmail.com guys stay safe stay resilient stay true stay loved stay blessed and as always do stay awesome this has been another episode of the awaken the awesome podcast we do love to get your feedback so please drop us a line our email address awaken the awesome at gmail.com 
Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review. We always do appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.